Good morning, church. So good to be with you. I believe that God has a really good word for us this morning, so I want to dive right in. And so if you have your Bibles, I um, encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 is the story of David and Goliath. And the story of David and Goliath begins in this way. There's this king, his name is Saul. And Saul is the leader of Israel. He is the leader of God's people. And now there is this army that's preparing for war to fight against the Israelite army. And they are called the Philistines. And this battle is supposed to take place at the Valley of Elah. And so now this valley bed is where this battle is supposed to take place. And then it kind of slopes up on both sides of the valley. And on the northern side of the slope is the Israelite army, the people of God. And they're fortified. They've set up base camp. And then on the southern slope is the Philistine army. Their forces have assembled. They've fortified their positions. They've set up base camp. And so this battle is supposed to take place. These battle lines have been drawn. Well, this champion, his name is Goliath. And he emerges out of the Philistine camp. He is this giant of a warrior. The Bible says that he is nine feet tall. Over nine feet tall and And here, I'm six feet tall, and this ladder is another three feet tall. Imagine that. Goliath is nine feet tall. He's a giant, a huge, colossal, massive warrior. And so he merges out of the Philistine camp, and he begins to taunt the people of God, the Israelite army. And he throws down this challenge. He says, Fee, fi, fo, fum. No, he doesn't say that. He actually challenges the Israelite army and he says this. He says, I'm willing to fight any single one of you for all the marbles. One on one. Winner, take all. And no one in the Israelite army is brave or courageous enough Take on this challenge. And so for 40 days, the Bible says, 40 days, day and night, morning and evening, Goliath taunts the Israelite army. Morning and night, day after day, Goliath insults and bullies and pokes at the people of God, daring someone, anyone, to take him on. And the people of God, they're afraid. They're petrified. They're shaking in their boots. Meanwhile, back at home, there's this guy, his name is Jesse. He's kind of an older gentleman. He's a father. Father of eight sons. And his three oldest sons, they're deployed in the Israelite army. They're downrange. They're at the valley of Elah where this battle against the Philistines is to take place. 
And so Jesse is at home, and he's kind of worried about his three oldest sons. And so he summons his youngest son. His youngest son, his name is David, and he says, David, I want you to go to the Valley of Ella, and I want you to check on your three oldest brothers. See how they're doing. And here's a care package from home. Would you deliver this care package to your three oldest brothers? And so David, he sets off, and he goes to the Valley of Ella. And he finds his brothers located on the northern slope of this valley of Ella. And so he begins to talk story with his three oldest brothers. He begins to chit-chat with them. When all of a sudden, this loud, booming cry from across the ravine, it happens to be that time of day again. Goliath emerges from the Philistine camp just as he, as he has done for the past 40 days. And Goliath taunts the Israelite army just as he has done for the past 40 days. And Goliath insults and bullies and pokes at the people of God just as he has done for the past 40 days. And Goliath dares someone, anyone, to take him on just as he has done for the past 40 days. And David hears the taunting, hears the bullying, hears the insults, hears the poking. And and David sees the people of God, that they're terrified, that they're afraid, that they're trembling in their boots. And David is beside himself, and he says, who does this guy think he is to defy the armies of the living God. No one talks that way about my God, the God of Israel. Let me at him. And so then he goes to King Saul and he says, King Saul, let me take on this one-on-one challenge. Let me represent the armies of the living God against this Goliath. And listen to what it says. It says, actually, I'm just going to finish off the story and say this. David actually convinces King Saul to let him represent the armies of the living God. And so, armed with a sling and five smooth stones, David runs to the battle line against Goliath. He loads up a stone. He fires away. And the stone hits Goliath square between the eyes. It's a lethal blow. And Goliath collapses to the ground. And David and the armies of the living God are victorious. Now we read this story And we kind of sometimes conclude that David is this celebrity, this overnight hero, this overnight success. But actually, nothing could be further from the truth. Why was David so brave and courageous and confident when all the other Israelite soldiers trembled in their boots? 
Well, we find our answer in a portion of Scripture that many kind of just gloss over. It's the conversation that David had with King Saul to convince the king that he should represent the armies of the living God. And it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 32. And listen carefully to what the Bible says. This is the word of God, and it says this, beginning in verse 32. It says, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. King Saul replied, You are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. He has been a fighting man from his youth. And listen to David's response. David says this to King Saul. He says, I, David, your servant, has been keeping your father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. I, David, your servant, have killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. You see, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Interesting. David says to King Saul, King Saul, I'm a shepherd by trade. And being a shepherd sometimes can be kind of dangerous, he says. But the Lord is faithful. He has never let me down. And he says, King Saul, let me tell you a story. There was this one time I was keeping my father's sheep and this bear came out of nowhere and attacked, carried off one of my father's sheep. But I went after that bear and I struck it and I rescued that sheep. The Lord delivered me from that bear. The Lord is faithful. He has never let me down. And then he, David continues, says, King Saul, let me tell you another story. There was this other time. This lion came and attacked us when I was taking care of my father's sheep. This monster of a lion. And he carried off one of my father's sheep. But I went after that lion. And I struck it. And I rescued that sheep from the lion's mouth. And you won't believe what happens next, King Saul. That lion, that lion turned and attacked me. But you know what? I seized it by its hair and I struck it and killed it. The Lord delivered me from that monster of a lion. The Lord is faithful. 
he has never let me down. And then David continues, verse 36 and 37. David says to King Saul, I, David, your servant, have killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. What's interesting to me here is that David didn't focus on Goliath. Instead, David told lion and bear stories to remind himself and to tell others of God's faithfulness in his life. And so let me ask you a question. When you are faced with Goliath-sized trials in life, do you tell lion and bear stories to remind yourself and to tell others of the Lord's faithfulness? To be honest with you, I don't do it often enough. And if you are like me, my guess is that when you are going through Goliath-sized trials in life, it tends to be all-consuming. Our present Goliath-sized trials tend to consume our thoughts and drain our energies. Day in and day out, we think about and talk about our present Goliath-sized trials. David does something totally different, though. He doesn't focus on Goliath. Instead, he tells lion and bear stories, stories of the Lord's faithfulness in his life. And I think David is on to something. Here's a quote from Charles Swindoll. He says this. He says, So often, when facing our own giants, we forget what we ought to remember, and we remember what we ought to forget. We remember our defeats and we forget our victories. Most of us can recite the failures of, a lot of our lives in vivid detail, but we're hard-pressed to name the specific, remarkable victories God has pulled off in our past. Lion and bear stories are specific and remarkable victories that God has pulled off in your life. And all of us have them. All of us have them. If you reflect hard enough, they're there. And they are not meant to be wasted. They are not meant to be forgotten. We are to remember them. And we are to tell and retell them over and over again. So my question to you this morning is this. Do you have a way of remembering your lion and bear stories, the stories of God's faithfulness in your life? Do you have a way of remembering the 
specific, remarkable victories God has pulled off in your past? I do. I write them down. Take a look at this next slide. I've been walking with the Lord for the past 25 years. These are my lion and bear stories. Let me share one of my lion and bear stories with you. Listen to this story of the Lord's faithfulness in my life. In 2005, God called my wife and I to move to Pasadena, California to get education and training at Fuller Theological Seminary to prepare for ministry. And so we obeyed God's calling. We sold our home, which we loved, right here in Ocean Point. We left great jobs that we loved. We left wonderful family and friends that we loved. We picked up everything and we moved to Pasadena, California. And when we moved, my wife had this wonderful job with the Department of Health for over 10 years. Our idea and our thinking was, okay, we'll just find you a job in Pasadena that is kind of similar, an office-type position. And little did we know that finding a job was harder than we expected. And so for the first year, my wife worked at a grocery store. She was bagging groceries. She was collecting shopping carts, all for minimum wage. And they gave my wife the worst possible schedule. She worked until 1 a.m. in the morning. And this was kind of a sketchy part of town, and she's out in the parking lot gathering shopping carts at 1 o'clock a.m. in the morning. And my wife was depressed and miserable. And I was depressed and miserable for my wife. I remember crying out to the Lord and saying, Why, Lord? You called us to move, but you've abandoned us. My wife is miserable. I am miserable. We're both depressed, Lord. No answer. No response. For an entire year, nothing from the Lord. Then just about at the one-year mark, God shows up. And God miraculously opens the door for an office position at the seminary that I'm attending in the School of Psychology. Our depression and our misery is lifted. In fact, the next two years, the second and third year there, was one of the most wonderful and best years of our lives. In fact, by the end of the third year, I'm getting ready to get graduate and we're getting ready to move home to Hawaii. And my wife turns to me and she says, Han, can we stay? That's a miracle, guys. That kind of change of heart from I hate this place and I don't want to be here to I love this place 
Han, can we stay? That's a miracle. That's a lion and bear story. Lion and bear stories. We all have them. If you look hard enough, they're there. They are not meant to be wasted. They are not meant to be forgotten. We are to remember them. And we are to tell and retell them over and over again. I want to introduce you to my friend. This is Julia Hughes. And I've asked her to share a lion and bear story with you. A story of the Lord's faithfulness in her life. Good morning, church. Well, at nearly 49 years old, I'm proud to say that I too have a lot of lion and bear stories. Uh, I didn't bring a chart or anything, but... uh, The one thing I do know is that I'm not so proud to say that those lion and bear stories didn't realize, I didn't realize they were lion and bear stories until last week, uh, as after, or this past week as I was preparing for this. And I hope I'm not alone when I say that I often overlook the small triumphs and instead focus on the Goliath ones. So here we are, talking story, a little about life. David, Goliath, bears, and lions. We have a lot in common, and by sharing our lives, we can offer ways to help each other and our community. I pray that my portion of the message reaches you today. You see, the part of my story that God wants me to share this morning started on June 25, 2015, somewhat timely since tomorrow makes three years. You see, on that day, I received the news that my breast cancer diagnosis changed from stage 2 to stage 4. What followed was a whirlwind of information. Stage 4 means terminal or incurable, according to doctors. I say according to doctors, because that's very important when we're talking about God. And the official new diagnosis was metastatic breast cancer, since further tests determined that the five rounds of chemo didn't kill the big C, as, they, as I call it, and it had spread right into my spine. Additional news followed. I was told to consider making final plans with the possibility of about six months to live. I was told to look into hospice, support groups for terminal cancer patients, and also to get my affairs in order. You know the drill. Wills, finances final trips, and goodbyes. I stood in disbelief, and I was standing. I never took the information sitting down. The very next day was supposed to be my last chemo in this predetermined plan of action. I was to follow up with surgery and then radiation, not this, not death, and not only six months. I fought that lion, and I won. I had faith that God would use me for his purpose, and I had some things to do. I switched chemotherapy medications, smiled, took selfies. I take lots of selfies. And I cried. I cried a lot, too. I fought that bear and won again. The Lord is faithful and never let me down. I had to say goodbye to a lifelong dream career as an elementary teacher, fought another lion and won. The Lord is faithful and never let me down. 
In October 2015, I traveled with my family up the coast of California, some one-on-one -on -one time with my husband, Brian, in San Diego, meeting up with my boys and my other family in Orange County, and in my birthplace of Turlock, California, and then on to San Francisco, which was possibly to be my final trip. The Lord is faithful and never let me down. I prayed for and was blessed with seeing Perry graduate high school in 2016 and then Nathan this year. I asked God again for more time. Doesn't never hurts to ask. So I could take Perry to Harvard, clear on the other side of the nation, and prepare for the reality of missing his graduation in 2020. I wanted to be there at least once, and now I've been there twice. The Lord is faithful and never let me down. Last year, Brian and I had an adventure-filled, relaxing, wonderful second honeymoon on the Big Island. The Lord is faithful and never lets us down. The Lord kept me safe and healthy on every single trip. Now, some of you may hear this as just a simple blessings list of running down of, look what I did or where I've been. But please humor me for just a few more moments. After each one of those 40 chemos to date, much like the 40 days of waiting for Goliath, I will spare you from watching me climb the ladder. <laughs> so 40 chemos to date. Each CT scan, each blood test, each biopsy, each MRI, PET scan, specialist, physical therapy, doctors appointments, coupled with anxiety and treatment side effects. I fought and conquered more bears and lions than I care to state, all in the name of God's great power. Yes, each part is a blessing orchestrated by God. Each chemo is hard on me physically, mentally, and often spiritually. I come under constant attack, as I believe I'm an easy target for that enemy. However, with time and a lot of talks with God, he pulls me back up. He always is there to help me defeat my lions and bears. And today, a little public speaking, another lion for God. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Thomas. <laughs> a long time ago, I stopped asking why me, and I left things up to God. I also used to say that I'm on borrowed time. But now I say I'm on God's time. My Goliath is currently metastatic breast cancer. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. My Lord is faithful, and he has never let me down. So I will keep standing for him until my time is done. I have more lions and bears to fight. God's not done with me yet. Thank you. be remembered. They are not to be forgotten. They're not to be wasted. We are to tell and retell our lion and bear stories over and over again. I want to introduce you to another friend of mine. Her name is Hope. And I want her to share her lion and bear story with you, the story of the Lord's faithfulness in her life. Hi, everybody. I'm Hope. Speaking of God being faithful, earlier I was praying, please, God, let Julia go first. So, small favors. 
Thank you, God. When Pastor Thomas asked me if I would share a lion or a bear story, I immediately knew what I wanted to share. But I had second thoughts because I share this story a lot. And I think I've shared it with some of you probably more than once. But when I think of what God has done for me in my life, that is the first thing that I think of. It's one of two stories that I think really defined me as a person. And so I do end up telling the story a lot. I was severely depressed for most of my life. Uh, A lot of people don't know that because I was always very good at hiding it, at least most of the time. But from about 15 or so, well into my 20s, I was depressed. And it got worse when I moved away to California on my own. Um, Without a support system, I kind of fell apart. I did an okay job going through the motions of life, but... I would cry myself to sleep pretty much every night for years. Um, Not only that, I would go to sleep at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, because I didn't want to be awake, because it was too difficult. I just wanted to sleep. Um, I had no hope during that time in my life of ever getting better. Uh, I prayed constantly. I prayed every single night, crying to God to, to fix me. But I never heard anything back. Um, there's actually a line in one of my favorite poems that goes, uh, my greatest flaw is that I get so tired of winter that I become a torture to the people I'm with. And that was me. I was so tired of the winter in my life that I was difficult to be around. I chased pretty much everyone away. One by one, every single friend that I had told me, you're too much to deal with. I can't help you. I can't be around you. So that was painful. Uh, Eventually, I went to see a therapist, um, and and I talked to her about my problems, and and I got a diagnosis, uh, panic disorder and severe depression. Uh, I, I I did everything right. I did everything that they tell you that you are supposed to do when you're depressed to try to get better. I exercised, I ran, I ate really healthy foods. Um, I tried mindfulness meditation, I tried yoga, I tried everything. Um, Nothing helped. I uh, talked to my therapist about it and she told me that those things were helpful for people with mild to moderate depression, but for severe depression like mine, I would probably need medication and I would probably be dealing with it for the rest of my life. Uh, I was stubborn, and I didn't want to get on meds. Plus, my mom was telling me that meds mess people up. So I said, okay. Um, Over time, I went to two other therapists. Both of them told me the same thing. You need medication. You have severe depression. There's probably nothing you can do short of that. So, yeah, that's, that's where I was at. No hope. I was terrified that I was going to be like that for the rest of my life, that I would spend the rest of my life fighting to be okay and just barely making it. So two things happened. First, God brought the man who is now my husband into my life. I met him by chance one day when he came into the cafe that I worked at, and he brought me a potted plant. He didn't know me, but he brought me a plant, and he ended up getting a job there, and we started dating probably two days after we met. And he was the first person in my whole life who saw me at my worst and said, 
I love you anyway. I don't care. I'm like, who is this crazy man? I'm such a mess. But he told me, you are a good person and you deserve to be happy. And if I can make you happy, I will be here for the rest of my life. So that's the first thing God did for me. And so my life continued on. I started doing my life with him by my side. And I didn't feel better, but I had someone to lean on. And that made such a difference. I kept thinking for several years, okay, this is going to be the time that he leaves. This is the time that it's too much, that I'm too crazy, that he'll realize I'm not worth it. But that day never came, no matter what. He said, I love you, and I will be here for the rest of my life. And eventually I started believing it. And one day, after several years of this, I looked around and I thought to myself, I'm okay. I feel fine. And I thought back, and I couldn't remember the last time that I was depressed. It was so gradual that I didn't even realize it. But God had healed me. And I know now that it was a gift. It wasn't because of anything that I had done. It wasn't that I had finally prayed enough. It wasn't that I went back to church or that I was a Christian. It was a gift because our God is faithful and kind, and he has done the impossible in my life. And that's why I tell this story all the time, because I never thought that I would be here. He gave me a gift that I didn't think I could have. And now I'm so happy all the time, every day. There are some days that are bad, but I just have this joy that I don't think will ever go away. And that's amazing to me, and that's God in my life. Lion and bear stories. Stories of the Lord's faithfulness in our lives. We all have them. They are not meant to be wasted. They are not meant to be forgotten. We are to remember them. We are to tell and retell them over and over again. You see, what these lion and bear stories do is they remind us of God's faithfulness in our past. And that we can trust God with our present. And that we can continue to trust God far into the future. Lion and bear stories. Let's remember them. Let's tell and retell them over and over again. Amen. Let us pray.